Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Dave Prophet. He's a Northwest Arkansas native and also a personal friend of mine. He's got a special knack for business, and we had a good time talking about his business in the financial advising world. Check this episode out. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Sitting down with a personal friend of mine. I know I say that on every episode, but this guy actually is. Not that everyone else wasn't a personal friend, but this guy I've actually known for years and years and years. Actually, maybe even a decade. I'm not even quite sure. But sitting down with Dave Prophet here of Northwest Arkansas. He's a financial advisor. He's amazing. He's relationship-driven, which if you listen to any of my episodes, you know that that's exactly how I like to do business business. And he's going to be sharing some of his insight here today. He also loves to host people. He's a mean chef. We might talk a little bit about that as well. Dave, I'm glad to have you here today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on, Blake. You know, as I was introing you and I was saying Dave Prophet, it got me thinking about the, uh, I don't know if you've heard the running joke about the Dave Matthews band where it's like the real fans call him Dave. Yeah. And so I was like, I just need to call you just Dave. Like we have Dave on the podcast. Yeah, that'll work. Just so. Dave. There's not enough Daves in this world, uh, so I'll be one of them. Well, it's always the awkwardness of, is it David? Is it just Dave? Is it, which by the way, is, is Dave short for David for you? Uh, it is short for David. Uh, you know, the old people that call me David is, uh, is my mother, uh, and that's on a rare occasion. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's what's on my business card is David. So uh, I, I guess if, if it's friends, it's Dave. If it's professional, it's David. But, uh, you know, I'll leave it up to anybody what they want to call me. Sure, sure. Well, dude, it's great to have you on the podcast. Like I said in the intro, you know, you and I have known each other for forever. And, uh, you know, for the listeners, Dave and I were talking about a little bit of our own professional journeys. And uh, Dave, you just made a professional career switch, uh, really, I guess, in the last couple of months. And I just thought, man, I got to get you on the podcast and get some of your own insight on business. I love what you said uh, when you and I were talking before we started recording about how important relationships are with you. Um, I feel the same way. I feel like in business, we really miss that angle. Uh, tell me more about yourself. Tell me more about your approach to business uh, and especially what you're doing now. Yeah. At every step along the way, I have always been instructed and, and eventually learned from myself that relationships ultimately uh, will be the basis of your success or your failure, whether that's in sales and having a natural market to lean on or the connection that you make with somebody whom you've never known, uh, your ability to create that, uh, that relational fabric with somebody is going to be the glue. And that's not to say that market conditions or pricing cannot affect that eventually, but 
if you don't start with a relationship, you're never going to go uh, that far and probably not have that much substance. Um, I, is that what you were kind of looking for? No, <laughs> no. I, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to know kind of yeah. more what you thought about it. And it's kind of interesting when we talk about this, cause you know, I feel exactly the same way. I feel like, I feel like almost 90% of my time, I feel like it's managing relationships, not in a negative way where I'm, I, I'm happy to do it, but I feel like I'm not always chasing the sale. It feels like often I'm actually just nurturing a relationship. You know, I'm calling someone I haven't talked to in a while. I'm grabbing coffee with someone. And then out of the outcome of those things, I've had business, I've had business developed for myself. And what's strange to me is, and I'd love to get your perspective on this. It feels like there's two camps in the sales world or really the business world. You have the side that's that's you or I, and it feels like for us, this is like so common sense. This is so bread and butter for how you do business. You have to build relationships. But then there's the other side, the other camp that, and I'm I, I don't want to I don't want to be so biased that I you know really disenfranchise that side. But it's people who say like, here's a great example. I had a guy who said, you know, the people that I'm selling to are business owners and they don't have time for me to be their friend. They don't have time for me to um, call them and grab coffee. They don't have time. They have millions of other concerns. You know, I'm here to provide a service. So I'm here to sell that service. And so that's all I'm interested in is pushing that product and making that sale happen. And so, you know, these are people who they, and, and not that they are anti-relationship, but you know, relationship is an afterthought. It's, you know, I'm running a business, I'm making sales. If you aren't ready to buy from me, I'm moving on to someone else and maybe I'll come back to you later. And these two, these two perspectives really feel like they're, they, they can't both coexist. It doesn't seem like, it seems like they're two totally different ideologies for business. Do you have any insights there? I mean, you know, obviously, you and I fall on one side, what's going on on the other side here? Yeah, I, I've had I've had many a mentor over the years um, uh, approach me with how business should be done, and I feel like both paradigms can live in harmony with one another. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I first got my start in financial services, it would have been ten years ago. Uh, this week, actually. So thanks for helping me remember that. Um, and it was a, a uh, my, my dad's best friend that I went to go work with. And he had been in business at that time for about 15 years. Uh, no, no, 20 years. And knew everybody everywhere. Uh, even, and, and he worked with business owners specifically. And, you know, we worked in a capacity where we helped business owners sell their companies. And so that in its own uh, right in that sales process can be a very long, very complex process. So it's not something that is transactional in nature. Uh, you are you are getting intimate with a business owner uh, in the details of their business. And because most business owners uh, their where their life begins and where their business ends are are so convoluted. You, you're getting very personal with them, so you you can't help but develop a relationship. But at the same time, there were plenty of people that we worked with who 
you, you were never going to go get a beer with them uh, <laughs> after you closed the sale. Uh, d- depending on how the process went, you may have met the ultimate objective of getting their business sold. But I, I do remember at a couple of closings, they were they really didn't want to shake your hand much more than than you know handing the pen back to you. Um, and, and there were some hard feelings sometimes. It was a very emotional process. And so I'll, I'll put a bow on it and spit it out. Um, sometimes it would be a very difficult process to get going and, and work with somebody. And, and the, my, my mentor and company owner uh, used an analogy. And he, he said, uh, he said that there's, there were two buzzards sitting in a tree and one of them was sitting there saying, boy, I'm waiting on something to die so I can go eat it. And the other buzzard said, wait, patience, hell, I'm going to go kill something. Uh, and so you, you kind of live in that patience versus proactive world. And, and I, I think you got to have both. Uh, there are plenty of people I work with that uh, they need a price on something. They need a demand oriented service. And then you've got other people that, uh, are, are wanting to, to see who you are. They're going to want to know how you interact. Um, and, and, and that may lead to business and it may not, but at any rate, you're actually going to have a little bit more, uh, connectivity with that person. And, and I think, um, you know, the basis of it all is just activity in business because people don't have a sign above their head saying who they're going to be or how they're going to interact with you. You just got to talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, you know, it feels like it's interesting how you sometimes get into business with, I guess, having to read that person and know what that person is looking for. And I guess also it's depending, it's dependent on the industry, right? I mean, if you're buying and selling a business and you are getting so immersed you know, that person's probably going to want to hand off their baby what they've literally spent however many years of their life crafting. They want to be able to hand that over into someone whose hands that they can actually trust. And ideally, it's someone who, you know, there is a bit of a likability to you where they know, you know, you're going to do right by this massive thing that they've they've built over the years. Probably a little bit different from someone who's selling uh, a commodity or, you know, the 995, you know, random... You know, I got, for example, I don't really care how likable the person is who mows my lawn. You know, I just, I just care that it looks really good and that it's affordable. Right. And so now maybe over the, over time, I, I want to, you know, actually know this is a person who's trustworthy that, you know, they're not going to take advantage of me after some time goes on or what have you. But, um, I, it feels like on top of just being able to do sales well, you have to know what your customer thinks about your product and what they're expecting and really what that whole customer service, you know, perspective looks like, which even customer service, I've found people have different, drastically different opinions. I did a podcast episode on this, uh, I guess it was last week. And um, it's amazing people who think they're providing great customer service when really they aren't. And then people who really are providing amazing customer service and they're like, well, that's just how I do business. Like, is that not how everyone does it? So, yeah, it's, um, it, it, everybody has a different expectation and, uh, I don't know that everyone has time uh, who is in sales to know what somebody's expectation is, but 
Uh, I read something from Jeff Bezos recently that said uh, the ultimate goal of customer service is to meet a need before somebody thinks about it. Mm. Uh, Getting so far out there in front of what a need could be and anticipating that and delivering on it, uh, being in constant communication um, through various forms with your customer about what it is that that they uh, you know, are looking to, what whichever features and benefits it is that they desire to have from you. Well, and even before they think it, I think it's especially before they say it. I mean, I feel yeah. like it's, you know, I, I think for Amazon's sake, I mean, it's so easy to return an item. And obviously, there's people who take advantage of that, but it's so easy to be able to return something and I don't have to beg for it. You know, I don't have to plead for me to get my money back. I mean, they're so understanding with it. You know, I got to brag about, you know, one of my old uh, stomping grounds, Chewy's, when I was a server. And one thing I loved about Chewy's was if if the meal came out wrong, they were so instantly quick to be like, hey, we're going to comp that for you. We're going to take that off your bill. And you never had to ask for it. I mean, sometimes you ask for it, but, but 99% of the time, the manager would say, okay, yeah, take that off the bill. We messed it up. No big deal. And it was like, it was just compare that to, I think about a, another certain restaurant that's out of business now. It was in Fayetteville. It's out of business. And I remember we had, we were there. It was the four of us, my wife and another couple. And we were there for like two and a half hours, never got our food. Actually, my wife got her food. The rest of us didn't get our food. And we had, we literally were like, can we just get our money back? Like, can we just, and they're like, I'd have to check with the manager on that. And I was like, it's lunch on a Saturday. It's, we've been here two hours. We don't have our food yet. What the heck? And of Chewy's and that other restaurant, I mean, Chewy's oh, is still man. around. The other one isn't. And so it's, it's just interesting to me how people, we, we really, we can whiff so easily on the customer service game. Yeah, it's, it's something that as of late, um, it has become increasingly, or I've become increasingly more aware um, and maybe this is late to the game, but about how to craft a consumer experience and, and making that holistic from hello to deciding to do business with them or, or not, um, and how to make that authentic and, and at a granular level, make that something that is meaningful, but at the same time, knowing that you don't always have two hours with somebody, right? Uh, you, you may have 15 minutes, um, and, and it, the, the likelihood of having to get to the point a lot quicker with somebody is, is, is a lot greater, I, I would presume in working with people than, than, uh, than that being the exceptions by the rule. Well, and I, I, you know, part of me wonders, and we talk about customer experience, you know, I, I think sometimes with business, we, we, we over fluff this whole conversation and we say, cons- we say experience and we try to create an experience that, you know, like you said, your customer may not have the actual time to navigate through. For me, I found that just like the, the basic principles of intentionality and communication have done wonders for my customer service. Cause I do, I do surveys every time someone's done doing business with me. And I I always do well in this category. And some of the things that I do is, you know, when someone does business with me, they always get an introduction email, an introduction letter that just says, Hey, thanks for trusting us. This is what we're going to do for you. Yada, yada. 
Um, and then when the when business is over, it's hey, I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much. Sometimes people get a handwritten card from me, and so those small, tiny things that really only take a few minutes on my end for whatever reason, seemed to make an impact on my customers. In fact, I had a local competitor. I had a customer go from a local competitor to working with me. And they were like, Blake, it's night and day with you in terms of difference because we can actually get a hold of you. We actually are... You're accessible. You know, we, it's easy to talk with you. Compared to the other business that was so busy, it, it just took days on end to get a response from them. And sometimes that's small stuff. We just don't realize how we talk experience, you know, being present and available and being intentional often can create that experience, it seems like. Yeah. I, I, you know, what, what does it come down to uh, treat others the way that they would want to be treated? Um, and, and that just comes back to anticipating needs and, and being intentional uh, and forward thinking about, you know, what is, what is the spirit of the times? What do people want? Us being millennials, we, we have a pretty good grasp on what it is that's important to us. But the generation ahead and the one behind us, uh, they interact completely differently. And in the marketplace today where you could work with somebody who is uh, 20 years old and coming up as a, as a young professional influencer to somebody who is, you know, quickly approaching retirement, uh, you've got to wear a lot of hats, but I think there's a lot of core uh, common attributes that people want out of working with a professional. And um, I think it just comes down at the end of the day to, to how much you care. Uh, if you don't care, you're not going to, you're not going to portray those, uh, those qualities in your business and it's going to show. Well, and you have to, you, I love what you said and you, your connection dropped just a little bit. So part of it was a little garbled. So for the listeners, you were, you know, you were talking about how, you know, we are millennials loud and proud and, uh, you know, we are working with so many different generations. You know, it can be someone as, I mean, I've had people I've talked to who are as young as 18 or 19 years old, and it could be like you mentioned, someone who's approaching retirement age, you know, wearing those different hats. I think if you are willing to be a chameleon almost, you know, it's that old Bible verse of being all things to all people, you know, it's, it's knowing who you're talking to and being able to speak their language a bit. I, I think that's important as opposed to, I've known some people in business, especially sales where it's, there's a lot of ego, there's a lot of pride and it's, it's you beat to my drum, even though I'm the one taking your money. Uh, and it's it's backwards. It's totally backwards. And I, I don't know how well these businesses, I mean, especially now during COVID, I don't know how well th- those businesses are faring, but especially into the future, I don't know how much trust those businesses build with their people. Yeah. I, I, and by the way, Blake, can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Now. Okay. It passed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's um, There was a mentor that I got on a Zoom call with. He is based in California. And he said, just due to the business model that he has, they have picked up in in one month in uh, March, they picked up a hundred clients from other competitors just because the other competitors were not set up to do business virtually. They were very much an in-person and that's not wrong. Uh, but my goodness, if you're gonna if you're gonna watch customers walk out the door because you're used to them coming in the door, 
And now they no longer have the ability. Um, and I'll be honest, I've never been a, a big adopter of technology. So the fact that I'm on a Zoom call, uh, you know, and have been for the past month, uh, it, it's really opened my eyes to how the world wants to do business. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's understandable how you know, dis, uh, unanticipated disruptions that we currently have are, are going to make people better or they're going to put them out of business. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I think this is a time where, you know, really it's revealing the flaws in our business models or really just our thinking. Like, it's amazing how many people in the last couple of months I've talked to who exactly what you've just said. They've said things like, well, I couldn't go virtual. Like, well, I can't go virtual because I'll lose the customer experience or the, you know, whatever it is in their mind that makes their business special. And, and ironically, they're now losing business to their competitors. Um, you know, I've, I've gained some business only for the mere fact that I've been accessible online. Uh, you know, that's been literally the only thing that I've been offering. Um, you know, something else you've been saying a couple of times, you've mentioned a couple of mentors now. You, know, you seem like somebody, man, you seem hungry for personal growth and personal development. Yeah. Um, it, it, for me, it really comes down to, um, how have people said it? You do not have time to learn from your own mistakes. Great. If you can, uh, so many people get caught up in bad habits that they don't even make, uh, they make the same mistake repeatedly and can't get out of their own way. So if they, if it was good enough to just learn from their own mistakes, that'd be fine. But so few people are aware or care to learn from them. Uh, but that means something to me when I can have the opportunity, have somebody's ear who has built business uh, or, or built uh, uh, your relationships for a living um, or, or just done life well, uh, who is willing to give. And, and one thing that I have learned is that if you are willing to search for something, you will be able to find it. Um, and for me, what has always been most important, uh, is that, is that connectivity to people who, have been in my shoes before and to seek them out, whether it is a one-off conversation or whether it is an ongoing uh, part of my life. That's just always been something that I have gravitated towards. Um, and and I, I, I feel like that is unique. I don't know a lot of people my age who, who actively seek out uh, those mentor opportunities or relationships, but it's always been something that that has been very important to me, uh, especially after college. Uh, um, but you know, some of some of my best friends are people that I considered to be mentors. Uh, some of them are you know older than my than my father um, and, and and everything in between. Um, but as, as somebody explained to me one time, they said, uh, the person that you're working with, I'm 35, the person you're working with has been 35 before, but you've never been 55 or 65. <laughs> sure. Um, so, so take it with a grain of salt, but also take it that they've seen a thing or two. 
and, and humble yourself. And, and if there's something that you want to know, uh, from them, then seek that out. And so a little less, a little less, okay, boomer then. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's never been, (laughs) that's never been my, uh, my look at things that that's an unfortunate Uh, You know, I I like what you're saying, though. I mean, you're talking about having the, and you you nailed it, I think, when you mentioned the self-awareness piece, because you you talk about learning from your own mistakes. And people who get into this habitual state of making the same mistake over and over and over again, but yet being so ignorant to the fact that it's happening. I mean, I think that's, I think that's incredibly prevalent. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think we're immune to it. I, I know for a fact there must be toxic habits that I have that I am stuck in that I don't even see and may not even recognize till maybe someone points it out or I, or I find myself not, not, not in the place that I want to be six to 12 months down the road. And so I think that self-awareness piece of like, oh, wait, I am locked in a negative cycle. Dude, that's big, I think, for someone to pick up on for sure. Uh, it's always served me well, and, and it's one of those things you don't know that it's happening to you until it's happening to you, uh, or for you, rather. Um, you know, I, I, t- I, I tell people quite a bit, I've never worked a day of my life in the corporate world. Uh, every, every place I've ever been has been uh, self-employed or working for a small business. And, and I feel like that that has been a blessing for me because although there are systems and processes, um, that, that make you more competent and value that occur in the corporate world, I feel like there's also, uh, a vast amount of information and application for, for personal life that comes from privately owned business and even small business at that which for me has helped to develop the relational aspect of how I do business and how I live. Um, and also fortunately, as far as a mentor aspect goes, uh, most of those places that I have worked over the last 10 to 15 years uh, have been for people who are established. Um, they have good systems and processes and that has been uh, that has created opportunities for me to learn from them versus them being a peer of mine in a very competitive corporate type setting where a lot of let's be honest that relational aspect is it has been intentionally eroded mm. um, you know people talk about don't uh, develop relationships at work because you never know if you're in competition for a job or, or something might go wrong. And now you've, you've kind of fudged the lines in that gray area, uh, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think somebody like, uh, like a Sam Walton would, would be appalled at how the corporate landscape has changed. Um, and, and yet that's how it's happened. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so for me, being in private business with established professionals uh, has really developed a lot of that mentorship on its own that was unintentional. And certainly I didn't seek it out, especially not as a, as a, you know, mid to late twenties person, but I've definitely seen the value of it over the years. And it's something that has really helped me get a grasp on 
the world around me, help develop self-awareness and, and, and develop a skill set that, that is just, you know, quite a lot different than I think uh, a lot of other people have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's great. Well, we are running out of time, Dave. Tell us, you know, a little bit about your business, how people can stay connected to you, how they can reach out to you. What does that look like? Yeah. So I work for a firm by the name of Strategic Financial Partners. I am in Rogers and we are a holistic financial services firm. We help people with their risk management. So their different kinds of insurance products. We also help them with money management. So uh, whether it's a 401k or, or privately managed money. And then we also help with retirement strategies. So uh, at every stage in life, we can help somebody with their financial picture and organizing their financial resources. Um, I'm based in Rogers and um, have been a lifelong resident of Northwest Arkansas. So if somebody you know would want to get a hold of me, I can certainly get that to them. Um, but this has been a really great opportunity. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Dave, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you, man. Absolutely. All the best to you, Blake. Yeah. For the listeners, I will absolutely, I'll put Dave's email in the episode description so you can reach out to him if you'd like. And also, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? You got to click that subscribe button. Make sure that you are following the podcast. Make sure you're promoting the podcast. Definitely give this episode a five-star review because Dave is amazing. Great guest. And as always, we'll be catching you later. Thanks for tuning in for some good advice. See ya.